TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Monday, November 13th edition of the show, a Victory Monday edition. It has been far too long. The Pirates win for the first time since September. They take down the FAU Owls 22-7. They get their first conference win, their first road win, their first win over an FBS opponent. It wasn't pretty. But for the defense and special teams, it was pretty dominant, and the offense did enough, and we will talk about that and so much more over the next hour. I'm Stephen Igo, as always, bringing you this program on 94.3 The Game. Philip Pilkington is producing back in the studio. We are taking your calls. If you want to call in, 252-561-8255. Again, that number is 252-561-8255. We've got a lot to get to over the next hour. We've got our East Coast Agency Player of the Week. Who Many of you guys might be able to guess who that is, but we'll discuss that here in our next segment. And, uh, you know, we will take your questions, as always, over Facebook and YouTube is where we are live streaming there on the program today, too. So we've got your comments on Twitter as well. But, man, it just feels so good to be talking about a victory. It's been too long with this season. Winning one game doesn't change the narrative of the entire season, but we're going to enjoy victories while we can get them. Only a couple of games left. Uh, Phillip, it's just uh, it's just like a breath of fresh air, man. Finally, we have a win to talk about. Yeah, I kind of feel like we can at least get out of that uh, beating the dead horse analogy um, that we've unfortunately had to use for the better part of the last two months. It was a good pirate weekend. Uh, basketball got a win over Campbell. Uh, Mike Schwartz was a lot more happy with the defense this game. And uh, football, I mean, that. what is that going to do for the morale of this team is the question because we hear that winning cures all. And right now, I, I couldn't imagine how psyched they were. Probably more psyched for that win than even becoming bowl eligible just because it did seem like it had been so long or it had been so long. And uh, it was a full team win, offense, defense, and special teams. So, uh, great win, and uh, wow, it's it's kind of surreal, which is which stinks to say in a way. But uh, here we are, and it's a much more fun of a Monday show. Hopefully, there's no doubt. I mean, I don't think we're going to get quite the number of uh, comments, complaints, or questions, which is, is typical after a win compared to a loss. But, I mean, look, we're going to take it, and ECU has a couple more winnable games before the season. And I'm not, I'm, Look, at the end of the day, East Carolina still has to make some major adjustments this offseason. There will be plenty of time to talk about that, and if people still want to talk about that, that's fine. That, that'll come in December, whether it be personnel, you know, schematic scheme changes, uh, coaching changes, uh, staff changes, whatever. We'll get into all that when the time comes. But let's try and enjoy this win. On this Monday, East Carolina 22, Florida Atlantic 7. We got to start with the defense. ECU held FAU to 170 total yards. This is a offense that has been pretty explosive all year. LaJonte Wester, their number one receiver, their 1,000-yard receiver, had 80-plus catches going into the game, had more than 1,000 yards clearly going into the game in, in only nine contests. ECU did everything it could to make FAU beat them without Wester. 
uh, beating them single-handedly, and I thought it really flustered FAU throughout the game. The other part of that was just the ability to continue to get pressure on Daniel Richardson, the FAU quarterback. The biggest adjustment I've seen, Philip, by this defense over the last few weeks for me, taking the taking them the next step is this defensive front not only has always been good against the run, now they are getting home with three, four-man pass rush, and they're winning. They're winning one-on-one battles. They're getting sacks, and when they're not getting sacks, they're getting pressure. This is something this unit really has not done consistently before, despite all their success, but now when you get sacks from J.D. Lampley, Chad Stevens, Deontay Johnson, also Elijah Morse, and I think I'm uh, forgetting somebody, yeah, Sarad Ware, to me, when these guys are winning up front, uh, this defense is going to be uh, really tough to deal with. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We've talked about football and how we are kind of talking about some pregame show the other day, how it has changed to more of a passing game. But still, at the end of the day, you win and lose games in the trenches. And this defensive line getting home, you know, they talked to Surat after the game on the radio broadcast about it. Um, it's been special, and like you said, they're doing it with three and four guys, and the coverage on the back end has been great. They've had coverage sacks. They've had bull rush sacks. They've had you know quick move sacks where they just beat the guy around the outside. They're doing it in all different ways. to get or Every way that you can get a sack, they're getting sacks, and it makes it really hard to defend when they can do it in all, all the phases, I guess, you know, all three phases, I could should say, about sacks. And uh, great job on the back end by these defensive backs, especially with the injuries at safety. And um, and there's – I guess we kind of are not beating the dead horse, but saying the same thing we've been saying for the last few weeks. Great job by the defense. And uh, it was a big, you know, big part of this team win because they did shut down the best receiver in the league and or in the country statistically. And uh, FAU didn't know what to do offensively when, when he got shut down. And just great to see that this defense finally can experience some winning. I mean, they deserve it. And the, the whole team does, but the defense specifically because they can, have continued to show up each and every week, which speaks to the culture Mike Houston and company have created. By the way, scheduling announcement, the home finale against Temple on November 25th after Thanksgiving, it'll be a 2 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. So, a nice kickoff time to wrap up the regular season. Again, 2 o'clock, that game will kick off inside Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, Tulsa against East Carolina, the regular season finale. I had heard that uh, with basically the game being on ESPN+, Plus, the Pirate administration got the chance to really make their kind of own decision there, and 2 o'clock was kind of what they were targeting. Uh, some talks about maybe 1, but 2 o'clock will be the kickoff time as East Carolina hosts Tulsa on November 25th. Uh, Zach on Facebook says, what a shame that our offense has absolutely flopped this season with how special our defense is. I mean, look, the offense has been – it's been one of the worst in college football. Scoring, production, big plays, every category, it's been bad. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's its just the issue. It's why this team is 2-8. and eight. There you know, was a failure on that side of the ball for a variety of reasons. It's why ECU is going to have to probably win the last two games, much like they won this past Saturday with defense and special teams leading the way and the offense being opportunistic. And I also think it's easier to fix one side of the ball than it is to overhaul an entire coaching staff uh, team, especially this day and age, when you can go out and get players to the transfer portal for a media impact. So, again, we're kind of getting more into the big-picture discussion here, Philip. The offense, we know it's an issue. It still was not good on Saturday. I mean, look, 235 yards, 
3.5 yards per play. The longest drive of the game by the East Carolina offense was 54 yards. They had only two drives over 40 yards. They had a, a lot of three and outs. They had a lot of stalled drives after turnovers on down, which I think part of that was being conservative given Andrew Conrad's success. But still not seeing a lot of production from the offense, and at this point it is what it is. I mean, this this team is what they are 10 games in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how much can really change at this point in the season? You know, you brought in or you brought up that there is going to probably have to be an overhaul offensively. We hope we don't have to do that defensively. I don't see Blake Harrell and his staff getting let go, but I can see him getting poached despite only having two wins on the year because that defense has been phenomenal. And if the offense could somewhat hold on to the ball, you wonder what the defensive stats would look like. So, uh, yeah, the offense, look, the big thing is they gave the defense an opportunity to win this week. And sometimes in past weeks, the defense has done everything right and the offense just hasn't done quite enough to win the game. And once again, Alex Flynn did not play hero ball, but he was a game manager. He was an Alex Smith with the Kansas City Chiefs type quarterback where he did what he had to do to win the football game. There was no big mistakes. Yeah, he had the one interception. And, you know, some of those drives, it is unfortunate when you go three and out, especially after a turnover. And, you know, the the field position battle has hurt East Carolina this year um, a lot of times, and a lot of that is due to those three and outs, but it didn't seem to happen as much this week, and the offense was just good enough, and you hope against Navy and against Tulsa, those are two more opponents where this offense, if they're just good enough, the defense and the special teams can win you these football games, and now the team's got the, you know, they know what winning feels like. They've got the confidence in themselves, I think, now to win football games. So I definitely think we have a different conversation moving into these next two games with the offense, even though they didn't look a lot better. But I think it was just enough that we they feel more confident themselves. And they could really salvage the season and finish 4-8. and eight. It wouldn't surprise me. Aaron Murphy on YouTube with a similar comment. Defense and special teams won the game. Did the wins hide the offensive problems? I, I don't think it hides it. I mean – the numbers are what they are. Again, 10 games in, you are what you are. And to me, you still need to reevaluate offensively what you're doing at the end of the season. I think that will happen. It just – I mean, it's obvious. Look, outside of Iowa, which has an elite defense and they're finding ways to win games 10-7, to 7, you don't have a, an offense in the country that has struggled to score the ball more consistently than East Carolina. So, I mean, there just needs to be an overhaul on that side of the ball, and I think that, that will happen one way or the other at the end of the season. Until then, you try and win the last two games, and you can win the last two games doing kind of what they did on Saturday. And I think the offense missed some plays that were out there, whether it be drop passes once again or, or missed cuts by the backs or misreads by the quarterbacks. There are still plays to be had, and you're going to have to take advantage of every opportunity you have against Navy as we'll get into that throughout the week. But, uh, again, Pirates find a way to win, 22-7. to Andrew Conrad, 5-for-5 five five on field goal attempts. Defensively, I thought a ton of guys played some of their best games of the year. We talked about it. J.D. Lampley has looked like a force the last few weeks. And how about the Spider-Man celebration, Phillip, as J.D. Lampley, Elijah Morris, and Deontay Johnson, by the way, all of them with sacks, they all do the Spider-Man points. And uh, I thought that was one of the more unique, especially sack celebrations. Usually the big guys in the trenches, you don't think of them as coming up with the best celebrations. But that, I'll be honest, man, that made my weekend right there. 
Hey, yeah, it seems like the offense is always the ones choreographing stuff. They did a good job choreographing it. Uh, they did a little reference, of it, like you said, the Spider-Man thing that everybody knows, which made it that much more cool. And, you know, we all know what NCAA stands for, no celebrations at all. They found a way to have a choreographed little celebration without getting the 15-yard penalty. So they hit every category. Got to love it, and you got to love seeing those guys getting home. There is usually no tighter group on a football team than the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen. That was, uh, you know, coach even talked about it. I'm going off a little tangent here. During COVID, they had to try and keep those guys away from each other because they were scared if one guy got it, the whole position room was going to go get it because they all live together, they hang out together, and those guys love to see each other's success sometimes more than they like to see their own. And I think that's comes down to a lot of that pointing. It wasn't pointing at me; it was pointing at my boys. So they were really excited about that and uh, it was cool to see and just being able to cover those guys in the recruiting process and being able to cover them firsthand some tremendous personalities in that room uh, Deontay Johnson uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to on the team and you know Elijah Morris has just been one of the best stories we've had a chance to cover at ECU coming in as a walk-on as a true freshman with all those defensive linemen coming in somehow finding a way to basically play right away as a true freshman. That was the thing. They all played in 2020, and you've added some pieces since then, like J.D. Lampley, C.J. Mims, to kind of continue to evolve that room. But the majority of that group, Sarad Ware, Jason Shuford, Elijah Morris, also Deontay Johnson, they came in in 2020 and kind of grew this defense together. And they went through some of those hard times. Coach Houston said it after the game. They went through some losing, some painful moments, and that's why they're so dang tough now because they've been through all that stuff. So I really think uh, that unit is, is going to be the backbone of this defense if you can retain them for next year. And that's the thing. We'll get into this discussion at some point as well. You know, These guys are going to be sought-after commodities because of how well they've played up front. So I, I think it's going to be – uh, something that we got to continue to follow this offseason, not only adding talent, but finding a way to keep that room together because each of those guys has one year of eligibility left. J.D. Lampley has two years of eligibility left. C.J. Mims, three years of eligibility left. So a lot, lot of talent, a lot of ability there. Uh, Zach on Facebook says, regarding stats, if you go into the box score and take out the longest yardage run, longest completion, et cetera, during every game this year, it truly, tr it truly shows how lost we are. Example, Gerald Green had 15 carries for 33 yards, but if you take out his long run of 18 yards, it goes to 14 carries for 15 yards this weekend. That's beyond bad. I mean, I agree, Zach, for sure, but so much about college football is hitting those explosive plays. The sad thing about ECU is they're near the bottom of the country in explosion plays and yards, so you almost have to be, you know, especially with the running game, you have to be patient and then hit the big one ecu just hasn't hit the big one enough this year and in the passing game the same thing goes too so most of the best offenses in college football you know that aren't the elite like oregon scoring every possession you know they're 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 going to have some stops they're going to have some stalled drives some no gains but you hit that explosive play to kind of make up for it we saw smu do it to ecu throughout that thursday night win so that's part of college football right now you got to find a way to create those explosive plays. Uh, Chase Braswell says he's never been so happy to be wrong on his prediction. I'm the same way. I had the FAU Owls winning. I think Philip. Did we? Did me, you, and Joe all have FAU winning? Yeah, I think we did. I think Joe had ECU covering, but we all had FAU winning. Yeah. So three for three. Uh, we we go as we uh, usually do as a group. We all missed it as far as an outright pick, but. 
Pirates get it done, and we are happy to be eating crow on this Monday. A victory Monday, a much-needed victory Monday here on Hoist the Colors across Pirate Nation. Again, Pirates improved to 2-8. and eight. We'll take a break. We will be back on the other side. We've got our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. We've got your comments on Twitter to get to if you want to call in. 252-561-8255. We also got some tickets to give away to a Bush concert later this week, and we'll get into that on the other side as well. Stay tuned for more on Hoist the Colors on this Reaction Monday. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in to this edition of Hoist the Colors on this Monday November 13th, winner's edition of HTC as the Pirates get a much-needed 22-7 victory over the Florida Atlantic Owls to break a losing spell and head into the last few games with some momentum. Let's get to our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week, and it's a pretty obvious one. He was just named the American Athletic Conference Special Teams Player of the Week. It is Andrew Conrad the Pirate place kicker who single-handedly in many ways provided most of the scoring as the Pirates uh, net 22 points on the board. Andrew Conrad, by the way, making five field goals, which was a school record, a career high. By the way, Andrew Conrad not only making the five field goals but making all five over 40 yards, 46, 47, 43, 46, and 40, the last three coming in the fourth quarter alone, just an incredible performance by Andrew Conrad, who also hit the game winner at BYU last year after uh, taking over the job from Owen Dapper. So, you know, he had the misses against Charlotte earlier this year, but he's only missed one kick coming against Charlotte under 40 yards this season. And he is our Pirate of the Week. He's also the AAC Special Teams Player of the Week. Our Pirate of the Week brought to you by East Coast Agency. From property damage to essential belongings, we've got you covered. Don't wait until it's too late. Act now and enjoy the peace of mind you deserve. Join the countless satisfied customers who have experienced our quick claims process and personalized service when disaster strikes. We're here to help you rebuild. It doesn't matter who your agent is until it does. Call ECA at 910-446-5061 or visit their website at www.eca-insure.com. Andrew Conrad, our Pirate of the Week. All right, we got some tickets to give away here at Inner Banks Media. And there will be a concert with Bush and special guest Bad Wolves and Eva Under Fire at DPAC this Friday, November 17th. We're giving away tickets. You can claim two or four. All you got to do is call in right now, 252-561-8255. Again, this is a concert with Bush. Featuring Bad Wolves and Eva Under Fire. If you're into some rock music, definitely a fan of this. Heck, I would go to this concert if I could. Maybe I'll be claiming these tickets as well. Again, Bush with special guest Bad Wolves, Eva Under Fire, Deepak, this Friday, November 17th. You can claim them by calling this number, 252-561-8255. Again, right now, 252-561-8255. You can call in, claim the tickets. Also, go on the air with us. Just let us know. And we will have you covered there. So, fun concert this weekend in Durham as uh, Bush will be joined by Bad Wolves. That'll be a fun show here in the state of North Carolina. All right, 
let's get to some of your comments on Twitter. And we do this every Monday following ECU football. The Pirates winning this week, so we got a little bit less comments. There's uh, clearly more frustration after losses, but always so good to hear from you guys after the Pirates win or lose. Uh, it's, Scott clear, Mueller, it's clear I go winning does yeah. cure all, not just with the team, with the fans. They just, they've just they got nothing to complain about. We got the win, baby. There's no doubt. Hey, man, when you win, uh, you know people have a lot less to say, but it's also one of those things, the unfortunate side of it is, too, Philip, with ECU's record. You know, when you do win, it, it kind of feels empty to a degree because you're like, all right, we won the game. It's good to get momentum, but, like, what are you really playing for? And I know that's the wrong attitude to have, but I've, that's probably where a lot of fans feel right now. I don't know. It's uh, it just, it's just when you lose as many games as ECU has to this point, I can understand both sides as well. All right. Uh, Scott Mueller says, I love the fact that players have zero quit in them, one and eight, still fighting like they are trying to make a bowl game. I mean, I, I do think we got to talk about this, Philip. The fight from this team, there's a lot of programs out there that would be one and eight, go on the road as a touchdown plus underdog and just not show up. But this group, the offense isn't good. They still play hard. They run, you know, the running backs are running hard. The offensive linemen are trying. The receivers are trying. You know, you can tell Alex Lynn's putting his body on the line. So you definitely can't question the culture at this point in Mike Houston's tenure. No, you definitely can't. And, you know, so I'm going to speak to actually, we got a caller. So I'm going to throw it back to you, answer the phone, and then I can uh, get it to this point later if it comes to it. Yeah, no worries. Philip uh, producing, also trying to give away some tickets. So he's got his hands full. Here on Hoist the Colors, uh, and I just think, for me, you look at the culture of the program, it's more than evident. We talk to these guys every week. It's not been the year anyone has wanted to have, and there's frustration, and that frustration can easily boil into locker room issues, the failure to show up on game days, but at the end of the day, ECU has done that each and every week, and it's the strongest argument as to why Mike Houston should get another year along with his track record overall as a head coach. You know, it'd be one thing if he had never won anywhere he's been, nor at ECU, and there are clearly some deficiencies that need to be corrected this offseason, but I think at the end of the day, too, when you have the culture he's built and the guys are fighting like they do, that also says a lot as well. All right, uh, Alan Thomas on Twitter says, so happy for the players to get this win. FAU gave up 28 points or gives up 28 points per game, scores 27 on average. Our defense was lights out, lived in their backfield. It was our best game. Offense still a struggle. Great special teams, pump block, Conrad, amazing day kicking. His highlight reel for life with all his made kicks. Yeah, we haven't even really talked about the block punt. Julian Davis, the true freshman linebacker, really high on this guy. I'll tell you what, this recruiting class ECU brought in some of these guys are playing. Some of them aren't. Julian Davis absolutely looks the part from a linebacker perspective. I think this guy's going to be a menace in a year or two at inside linebacker. But he breaks through. It wasn't one of those blocks where he just got a free run to the punter. He actually made a little move there to get around the blocking guy and block the punt. And that set up ECU's first drive, their only touchdown drive of the game, 27-yard drive. But that was a huge play in the ball game as Julian Davis – was able to block that punt, set up the short field. So just a massive day for special teams. And one thing, too, special teams was an issue last year. What did Coach Houston and his staff do? They fixed it. 
they fixed the defense after some struggles early in their tenure as well. So to me, they have shown the ability to fix problems. It's clear right now the offense is a problem. It's clear it needs to be fixed. We'll see if it can be fixed this offseason. Philip, you still on the phone? Or are we back now? We're back. All right. We get we got a call or are we just giving away those tickets? Uh actually I either didn't get to it in time or they hung up. It didn't it did not flash up long. Probably a telemarketer or something. There you go. Well I guess uh I guess the telemarketer didn't want to come on the air. Guess not. Um all right. You want to get back to your point about the culture you were trying to make? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can do that. Um, so, you know, that speaks a lot, I think, of Coach Houston. It speaks a lot of his staff to build that kind of culture. But it also speaks a lot to these kids. And it speaks a lot to Coach being able to recruit kids that can come out there and still play like a bowl game's on the line, like a conference championship game's on the line, when you are 1-8. and eight and you're a dog on the road, and there's no fans at the game. I mean, I saw the picture that Patrick Mason from the Daily Reflector put on Twitter, and there was nobody at this game. So this speaks a lot of these kids, speaks a lot of their parents and the way they were raised um, to just go out there and realize, hey, you know, we talked to uh, Deontay Johnson a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, we work all year for 12 opportunities. And, you know, these kids have to realize, and I think this team of all teams does realize – these opportunities are numbered. One day, somebody's going to tell you you can't play football anymore. And, you know, these kids are lucky enough to be playing it in college, and some of them will go on to the NFL, but you only get so many opportunities. And I will say there's not a single player, I think, on this field that takes that for granted, or sorry, on this team that takes that for granted, and that speaks a lot of their character. Again, it speaks a lot of Coach Houston, and you know I'm happy to see them succeed. Not only because I want them to win the game, but when you put that much effort into it, you don't roll over. You don't quit on the season. You deserve to have some success and a much deserved win from this team from a cultural standpoint. All right, let's get back to a few of the comments. Johnny Robertson says Andrew Conrad's 222 field goal yards are the best in the nation this season. Interesting stat there. Johnny always coming through with the stats. He says UNLV's kicker had 218 yards on six made kicks. So Conrad racking up the field goal yardage. And, uh, wow, that UNLV kicker must be making some long kicks. Uh, Robert Dedrick says interesting comments from the Mike Houston show. I guess this was the television show. Mike Houston said, I wanted more points. Basically, FAU was hanging around too close for comfort, according to Robert, foreshadowing for Donnie Kirkpatrick or just stating the obvious. I think he's just stating the obvious. We all want more points. I mean, nobody wants to have to kick five field goals. We're happy Andrew Conrad made all five, but I think that's more of just everybody at this point is frustrated with the offense, the players, the coaches, the fans. I mean, we're 10 games in now, and it's just been a struggle to score points, but at least the defense kept getting those stops to force those points uh, to, to – I guess allow those points to really take place despite really the offense not moving the ball there in the fourth quarter due to the short fields and Conrad's leg. All right, a few more comments uh, before we get a break in. Travis on Twitter says, I think our guys competed their butts off and beat a really good FAU Owls team in a tough road environment. I mean, I don't know if it was a tough environment, but I'm hey, uh, any road win, I guess, is a tough environment, Travis. Uh, great opportunities given by our D that weren't squandered. Have to keep improving on offense because we won't get those opportunities against Navy, he says. All winning streaks start with game one. And I'll get your take on this, Philip, as well. East Carolina, 
even if they went out, it's going to be four and eight, which is still a, a let's call it what it is. That would be a massive disappointment considering where the program has been the last two years. But if you could win these final three games, be it against bad competition, subpar competition, whatever you want to call it, I do think that can carry a long way into this offseason. We saw the end of the 2020 season end with a two-game winning streak. I felt like that carried into the offseason into 2021. It's not going to be perfect, even if you go 4-8 and eight versus 2-10 and 10 or whatever. But I do think if you find a way to win these two games, it does mean a lot for the, for the near future and helps you sell more on the recruiting trail and transfer portal how close you could be. It 100% does. I think it keeps the confidence in the kids – it keeps the confidence in Pirate Nation, which would hopefully mean they would be more likely to donate to the NIL moving forward. I know we hammer that a lot, but we can't hammer it enough. And, you know, it allows the coaching staff to go, what went right in those last three games that we can carry on into next year? Because, yes, this coaching staff knows how to win, but until this past week, they haven't figured out how to win with these players because each group of kids is different from a talent standpoint, and it's not necessarily that one group is more talented than the other, but they have different talents, they have different styles, and different pe- people need to be coached in a different way. And if you can build off that, it really helps you next year with that, just with the players that are you're going to retain. It allows you to send the seniors off who've done so much for this program off with three wins, which is awesome. And yeah, to your point with the recruiting, I mean, you can go in there and tell a recruit, yeah, we hit a four and eight season, but we won our last three games. And that looks a lot better if I'm a recruit than a program who went four and eight and yet won a game since mid-October. Because at least the recruit can say, okay, you know what? They figured it out. They turned it around. I feel like this is a place I can go win football games. So uh, I think, you know, players always say it, winning cures all. And if you can win the last three, yeah, it's still a bust of a season because we expected a bowl game. But you can only control what you can control moving forward. And I think three wins to end the season on would be huge. And I was talking to, to by the way, some recruiting news over the weekend. Big day in Florida on Saturday as East Carolina lands – uh, three-star offensive lineman Zach Bowley from a very strong Cardinal Gibbons high school program in Fort Lauderdale down there in the same area with Boca Raton. But, you know, talking with him, he said he made the comment about he felt one of the things that, you know, spoke to him was the amount of close games ECU has played this year. So, look, the recruits pay attention to this stuff too. And, of course, the coaching staff has to, to sell something to these recruits despite the poor record. But they – Look, these guys are smart. They understand, hey, I can come in. If I'm an offensive player, I could come in and maybe play right away with the offensive struggles. We talked about that with a few offensive commits. But the recruits know, too, the team isn't out there getting beat 50-0 to zero each week. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into winning and losing. There's clearly one side of the ball that's behind the others right now that is fixable. They like the coaching staff. They see the past success of the coaches. Not like ECU's gone 2-10, two 2-10, and 2-10. Ten, two and ten, two and ten. So I think every win, every little bit counts, and that's just an observation I have covering recruits, uh, covering recruiting, talking to these recruits on a daily basis as well. By the way, ECU right now has the number one class in the American, which we got a question on that on Twitter. We'll get into that after this timeout. Let's get our second break in. We will come back. We will uh, answer any more questions, comments you have. Drop them on YouTube and Facebook. Again, want to call in. 252-561-8255. 
We've got the tickets, I believe, still available for this concert this Friday. Bush with special guests Bad Wolves and Eva Under Fire at DPAC in Durham, Friday, November 17th. Again, you can claim two or four tickets to that concert for free. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. This is Hoist the Colors on a Monday. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into Hoist the Colors. It's a reaction Monday. East Carolina takes down FAU 22-7. Pirates get their first conference win of the year. They will try to keep it going with a win over Navy. By the way, we still got more tickets available for this concert. Interbanks Media giving away two or four tickets you can claim to this Friday's concert. Bush with special guest Bad Wolves and Eve Under Fire. DPAC Friday, November 17th in Durham. So call in and claim them right now, 252-561-8255, or call in at that number to come on the show, talk about East Carolina's win over FAU or anything you want. Let's get back to the questions on social media. And Zach on Twitter says, only thing fun is that our hoops team had a perfect week. By the way, nice win for the uh, the pirate and the pirate men and women. The women just crushing USC Upstate to move to two and zero. They go to VCU next this week. ECU men taking down Campbell, despite being called for a million fouls for Mike Schwartz's team. They improved to two and zero as well. They host USC Upstate on Wednesday inside Minji's Coliseum. Zach adds embarrassing performance again by our offense. D deserve that result, but the fact that our only touchdown was after a block punt is egregious. He says, how soon after the Tulsa game does ECU make an offensive coordinator change? Does it help keep the defense out of the portal? I mean, look, we've talked about this all year, Zach. It's, it's one of those things where I see changes coming regardless of what happens the last few games. The season has not been what anybody wanted. Two and ten or four and eight, you're still going to have to make offensive changes. To me, I think if you've got one of the worst offenses in the country, and you, you know it's happened for a variety of reasons, but I think everybody agrees there has to be some sort of reset on offense. And I think with that, you get some renewed optimism, confidence, changes. I think that does that narrative probably does help keep the defense together. You know, the other factor is you got to find a way to retain Blake Carroll. I mean, he is going to be at some point a very sought after defensive coordinator. He's done a heck of a job with this defense. But if you can retain a lot of the personnel and the defensive staff, there's no reason you shouldn't be one of the top defenses in the in the league next year. And then if you even make a marginal improvement defensively, keep the special teams together, you can be very good overnight. So this is fixable. I know the offense is problematic. But at the end of the day, when you don't have a, a quarterback that is making consistent plays, it's just hard to be good offensively no matter what you're running. So they got to figure out the quarterback situation. They have to improve the offensive line, and they've got to get a receiver or two. And, uh, you know, definitely that is something that we'll be following. Look, the portal opens first week of December. December into January, it's going to be a, a a lot of fun to cover, to be honest. It's basically like NFL free agency at this point with college football. So we will have plenty to talk about throughout the winter months. All right, back to other comments here. Uh, Mike Tanner says, on Saturday's broadcast, they mentioned that ECU had the number one ranked recruiting class coming in next year. Is that true? So 24-7 Sports, the company I work for with Hoist the Colors, 
They do have East Carolina rated as the number one recruiting class in the American at this time. ECU, I think, is tied with South Florida for the most commitments, uh, being high school and junior college with 20. All those are three-star pledges. You've got a, a number of guys who have talent. I do think at the end of the day, it, it, it's important to remember these are high school recruits. It takes time to develop. And, you know, you can have a high school recruiter too, as we've seen the last few years, make an immediate impact. More than likely, you're going to need to find some JUCOs or transfers to make kind of immediate impact on offense, especially. So very good recruiting class. I really like this class. I like the last class Mike Houston has brought in. You, know, you look at the 2020 class, since, or the 2021 class was the big issue. During COVID, a lot of those guys are no longer with the program. That's kind of what you're seeing now, especially offensively. But I do like this class. It is the number one rated class in the American, and I think it's something to really build on going forward. So um, that's just kind of my take there. I think ECU has the highest rated class outside of the Power Five right now, according to 24-7 Sports. So they're still going to save a few scholarships for transfers at least. And I honestly expect some roster movement in this offseason, but that will come in time. But, Philip, I think it's it, it continues to show this staff can recruit. And I know that recruiting rankings are subjective to a degree, but just watching the film, following things, I think this is a very solid class and another reason why. You know, th- this program is still on a solid foundation, I feel like, even though the 2-8 the and eight record is 2-8. and eight, It's disappointing. But th- there is a program here, and I think that is something to be positive about. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, the staff, you know, you, you did write your one article a month ago, roughly, about how the offensive weapons that they've recruited have not really panned out. There's not a lot of guys on the roster. So they had to get that through the portal. But other than that, I mean, we've had very few kids, it seems like, not pan out. And if you can hit on about 50% of recruits, uh, you're in a good spot. That's the reason you have 85 scholarships. The reason you have so many is because you're not going to hit on every kid. But it seems like every kid that we've heard of good things coming out of high school, they've produced. Yeah, maybe not as a freshman. You know, maybe they've had to wait their turn like a Taylor Jackson. But it's still happened, and it's it's good to see moving forward. Obviously, the portal is still going to be a big part of it, especially in the NIL era. But to see the fact that we have the number one recruiting class in the conference coming in, and in the NIL era. That should be us every year because look at the attendance numbers here and look at the attendance numbers around the conference. We are first by far. This is the best fan base in the conference, and that's not me just because I work here saying, oh, we've got the best fan base. No, we don't. It's or I'm not just saying that. It's true. We were 1-7 in seven going into last week, and there were 30,000 people there. There are teams that could be undefeated right now and not get 20,000 in this conference. So it's big to see that. I know I'm going off totally on a different point, but as to what you asked, so sorry about that. But at the end of the day, you know, there's still a bright future. This win obviously helps, but to see that this staff is still going out there and recruiting Mike Houston, using his ties for a young coach, he has a lot of them because he's not old by any means by head coaching terms. And uh, it's it's great to see, and hopefully all these guys will pan out in two or three years. We'll be seeing them start on Saturdays and then transition and start on Sundays. Tulane is 9-1. and one. They hosted Tulsa. They're top 25. They're coming off a Cotton Bowl championship. They had 20,126 was the announced attendance for Tulsa on Saturday, Philip, Could you imagine ECU coming off a Cotton Bowl win, being in the top 25, 
being nine and one and having twenty thousand people at their game. I mean, that's pathetic to me. It is, and you know, it's it's unfortunate. You feel bad for the kids, but you know, there's. 133 Division One college football teams in this country. Obviously, you know, different ones are going to have different fan support. And unfortunately, I guess Tulsa is one of those areas where everybody's an L or Tulane, excuse me, where everybody's an LSU fan. So that's got a lot to do with it. But um, yeah, if if that was our situation, it would be impossible to get tickets. I feel like it would be like the NC State game. It would be like the North Carolina game when we were hosting Temple just because Pirate fans are that loyal. And uh, this really, like I said, it is the best fan base. And it's kind of an embarrassing on Tulane's part to be that good. And, you know, North Carolina's packing that many in for a basketball game on a Tuesday night against, you know, whoever. So, yeah, it's it's bad. All right, let's get to a few more comments for a final break. Dennis Barber says another great performance by the defense. Andrew Conrad was clutch. Those weren't chip shots. He adds, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. He's still in the camp for DK to be gone after the season. And uh, I think a lot of people are ready for a change offensively, but hey, I get it. Uh, Matt says, it took a while, but our offense finally did just enough. There's a lot that can happen this offseason, but the way the defense plays for Coach Houston, I think we can keep most of them. If we can land a few key offensive pieces in the portal, I think we're primed for a comeback next year and again we had doug gomes on from team boneyard last week really diving into what ecu needs to do there's actually going to be a zoom call today with team boneyard and some of the major donors at east carolina so that fundraising initiative has been kicked into high gear especially with the portal opening in early december we'll keep you updated there with team boneyard throughout the uh the coming weeks as we really head into a crucial time period i mean this is in my opinion a crossroads for ecu football and the program long term, not just short term. Like this is the most important off season for ECU football in several years. I mean, we can really say that every year in the transfer portal era. But to me, you know, Mike Houston barring something crazy is going to be back. We know what needs to happen to fix the offense. My question is, how does it transpire? How does it break out? I mean, this is going to be an extremely interesting off season and a crucial off season, and everybody needs to come together. Pirate Nation, donors, coaches, players, fans, everybody needs to be together on this to to fix the problem. Because to me, they're really not that far away. I know it's been, a, quite honestly, a terrible season in terms of wins and losses and results, but it is fixable, and I think that's the most important thing. So we'll continue to have those conversations here on hoistacolors.net in the coming weeks. All right, let's get our final break in, and we got a question about ECU's chances to go 4-8. and eight. Philip and I will discuss that. On the other side, this is Hoist the Colors on a Reaction Monday. All right, let's go. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. Check out me, Aussie Joe Ho. 194.3, the game. Welcome back in. Hoist the Colors, Reaction Monday. Good to be recapping a Pirate win, 22-7 over FAU. Pirates are now 2-8. and eight. Not the record anybody wants, but hey, it beats 1-9. It beats another loss. Philip Pilkington is producing. We had a question on Twitter from a fan who wants to know what are ECU's chances of going 4-8. and eight. I pulled up the ESPN Football Power Index for whatever this is worth. ECU, according to ESPN, has a 61% chance of winning at Navy and a 78% chance of winning against Tulsa. So if you look at ESPN's numbers, 
and the Football Power Index, the Pirates have a chance, a real chance, to finish this year four and eight and three and five in the American. I don't know if I necessarily would bet on it, Philip, but there's a real path there to three and five in the league, which is is not good. But hey, it's it's more respectable than we thought it would be. I mean, people were thinking one and eleven as of Saturday morning before ECU won at FAU. So it's just crazy how much one win can maybe change uh, the narrative to a degree. Yeah, I think momentum and confidence is a huge thing in sports. Uh, I won't go long into this, but I bring up that 2015 Carolina Panthers run. They uh, they played New Orleans early in the season. Breeze didn't play. McCown played and threw a pick on the last play of the game in the end zone. I think if the Panthers lose that game, they do not go 14-2. and two. I think there was a lot of confidence in still being undefeated. And, so, you know, I think they're probably losing Seattle the next week or week after or whatever. And I know that's not really comparable to this situation, but the reason why I'm bringing that up is I do think one win or one loss can drastically hurt or help a team. And, you know, especially a team that's been playing together and keeping their heads held as high as this one. Winning gets contagious, and they've done a heck of a job staying there, not turning on each other. So who's to say they can't win these last two games? Is it going to be tough? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's tough to win football games in college football. It's, it is a hard thing to do. There's a reason there's only so many coaches in the Hall of Fame and so many coaches with these outstanding winning records. It's hard to do, but... You know, at the end of the day, these are two winnable games. Um, Navy's had a weird year. It will be senior day, but, you know, that at the end of the day, they care about the Army game. Tulsa's horrible. We need to get them payback for that crap a few years ago in Tulsa with the officials and all that. So, yeah, I mean, who's to say we can't win these games? I say it's a little better than 25% chance to win both. Um, you know, because obviously if it's 50% to win the first one and 50% to win the second one, that's – 25 i'd go a little higher than that i don't know if i'd bet on it but hey who's to, who's to say they can't win them both so i, I don't know what, what are kind of your thoughts yeah i think you know the navy game is going to be tough senior day they navy has so many seniors each and every year they've got 25 seniors they're recognizing on saturday it's just a uh it's, it's a different animal both their quarterbacks ty lavatai and xavier arline lavatai has been hurt i don't know if he'll play those guys are seniors. They're going to want to send those guys out as winners. And they're also playing for bowl eligibility. They're four and five with two games left, Army being one, ECU being one, and at SMU being the other. So this is basically a must win for Navy on its home field. I do like how ECU matches up with Navy defensively. The total is 33-and-a-half in Vegas, which has got to be the lowest total we have seen for ECU football probably in history. So – it's going to be a dogfight. I think a four-quarter game played in the teens most likely. We'll see if East Carolina can pull it off. But I think if they can do that, I think Tulsa at home. I know Tulsa just played Tulane well, but I think that's a winnable game to close out the season with motivation being a key factor on Thanksgiving weekend. All right, so we will have a lot of Navy discussion throughout the week. Uh, tomorrow, programming note, we will have head coach Cliff Goblin in studio from the baseball program to wrap up fall ball, look ahead to the 2024 season. So we'll do that. We'll live stream at 9.30, and we will go live on radio at 12 noon. Uh, but we'll live stream on Facebook, YouTube at 9.30. So we'll talk to you then tomorrow with Cliff Goblin and be talking a lot of ECU Navy throughout the week. This has been Voice of the Colors. 
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Calling all seniors of Eastern North Carolina.